We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven. I am your host. Hopefully we uh, do not get the royalty charge for that specific song uh, as opposed to the last one. But uh, happy to be here to talk some ball with my guys, Tyler and Alex. Alex, how you doing, man? Uh, good. This time it kind of sounded like the beat uh, from Mo um, Money, Mo Problems. So I think we'll probably uh, get copyrighted still. Uh, so um, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> well let's let's hope we avoid the copyright thing uh tyler how you doing man doing very well i just caught up on the first episode of moon Knight. it is fantastic you guys definitely should watch it if you've not yet i just uh happened to watch that before uh hopping on as well so uh i'm really excited to see how they uh how they go forward with that one so uh, i love oscar isaac anyway so he's mm-hmm. a great guy so we have a, a few things to talk about. Obviously, there's been a, a bunch of media appearances from uh, Brandon Staley recently through the All In show, through CBS, through the annual owners meeting. So uh, that's where we're going to start today's show. And then we'll uh, also talk about our top 10 running back rankings of the 2022 class. So running back is always something, I, a topic I feel like there's a lot of disagreement on. And I know that there's going to be some in this episode as well. So uh, really excited to kick that off later on. So first and foremost, let's talk about some of the things that we uh, took away. We learned from Brandon Staley's recent media appearances. And and uh, Tyler, we'll start with you. And you can kind of go in any direction, whether it be from mm-hmm. an all-in episode or from you know his press conference at the owners meeting. What's, what's kind of your uh, big takeaway from the media appearances from Monday and Tuesday? Yeah, so if I'm talking the all-in episode, which is kind of what I, I did a little thread on that. If anyone wants to check that out on Twitter, it doesn't mean all that much. But I just did the Cliff Notes version for everybody. Yeah, uh, I thought what was most interesting is is that th- that Brandon Staley had talked about Khalil Mack to the Spanos family for what seems like a year or over a year, or basically since he walked in the building. And there's a quote on the all-in that, that, that I think John Spanos says John, to, yeah. to to Brandon, and he says, you know. It's a new defense, right? It's a new scheme for us. What's the prototype that you want? What do you want in this defense? What do you want in your defense? Because it's a whole new scheme. And obviously, he he said Khalil Mack, and you know, now we have Khalil Mack. So 
I think that just really officially, I think, points to a change of who we think, at least publicly, has the power, you know, to make changes on defense. Offenses out of the ball, special teams, I think that's actually could be a different matter potentially. But as far as the defensive side of the football goes, it really seems like Staley has more control over this particular unit than any other coach that we've had uh, for some time. So it's his defense. It's his guys. They're asking him, what do you want for your new scheme? What's your prototype? Um, so not only I think is that relevant for you know the, the moves they did or didn't make this offseason, the moves they will make in the future, but I think it's also relevant to this draft process. What What fits his prototype? And sure, we all kind of assume we want to you know, finds Daly's prototype, right? We were all looking at outside linebackers or edge rushers differently. You know, Karloftis maybe doesn't fit. Maybe Ojabo does fit. Yeah. But I think it's like, it's like really important to do that this time around, obviously. Um, so that moving forward will be something I'll keep in mind as we look at the rest of the draft. Yeah, I mean, Staley obviously has a, a massive say in personnel decisions at this point. And not to say that Anthony Lynn or Mike McCoy didn't, but I think this is definitely the the highest level of collaboration that we've seen from the charges between front office and their coach. And so, um, you know, something that's really interesting that I, you know, I was having a conversation uh, with somebody on Twitter the other day is like, you know, Brandon said he didn't really get his he didn't get any guys to like come in and help install his defense. I mean, Chris Harris was familiar with the Fangio defense for like a season. But I mean, from the offense, you got Chase Daniel, you got Jared Cook, you got all these different guys and you had a, a bunch of collaboration with certain players i mean obviously matt filer was familiar with what the 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 steelers influence and Corey lindsley familiar with the packers influence and stuff like that so you had players who were familiar with everything on top of you know like joe lombardi and all the coaches and things like that and really outside of chris harris like i said there wasn't really that guy on defense you know there wasn't a sebastian joseph day there wasn't a khalil mack there wasn't a jc jackson that is familiar with what kind of they want to do on defense and now brandon Staley gets to do that and, and kind of keeping forward on that same vein the way that he talks about derwin james man is just like so cool to hear and it really is just this modern forward-thinking coach that we we were all promised right like you know we were promised that brandon staley would kind of innovate this team and now he's going to make this safety position which is you know kind of generally not valued in the nfl he's turning that into the quarterback of his defense and he's he's looking at Derwin, like he looks at Justin Herbert and saying, okay, I need more playmakers for Derwin. I need more support for Derwin. I need to be able to free up Derwin. And I think that's super cool. I, I am expecting that extension to come uh, quickly and <laughs> be a large, large number this summer. And uh, kind of hearing that was, was really cool to hear his kind of plans for Derwin, I thought was really awesome in particular. Yeah, just the idea that you're going to, you know, yeah, we you know, we get we get weapons for Herbert. We want to be good for Herbert and make everything great for Herbert and all that. But we want to get that for Derwin James as well. I don't recall guys talking about their safeties like that. Like we're going to put guys in front of him and around him so he can be the centerpiece of our defense. I love that commitment. Actually, that's the part in the episode where I got chills. I got chills just thinking of what do they want to do? Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's all speak. I don't know. Maybe they don't end up being able to do what they set out to do, but. Just the commitment to Derwin James is that kind of weapon. Like you said, the quarterback of the defense, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of takeaways from this episode, I think you look at the Khalil Mack moment. The, obviously, there was the clips from J.C. Jackson before that came out where, you know, he's reading a scouting room. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, very fun to watch. And it, it does feel like he's kind of just been given the green light to kind of do whatever he wants with this defense. 
Um, in terms of takeaways from the owners' meetings, uh, didn't the owners' meetings come out like one day after the Kaiser thing? So he was sort of asked about that and then was to make, which is like, I don't know if I really buy that, but whatever. Uh, so we'll see what he what he kind of says about that kind of going forward. But, you know, he did seem to indicate it was a tough decision that you have to make tough decisions in this league. Um, and so they're going to figure out what to do with the linebackers afterwards. But they aren't going to do anything the rest of free agency in that regard. And they're going to just move forward with Kenneth Murray and all those guys. Uh, and then, of course, there is the return comment. Uh, I think when asked about Andre Roberts and then sort of what they plan to do at kick returner. Uh, just kind of open and that have some discussions with a couple of guys. Uh, but, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see what do there. Obviously, DeAndre Carter was a name that was mentioned. Uh, could have some interest in. Andre Roberts still technically is uh, available, but Ryan Ficken has kind of indicated that he wants to go potentially in a new direction. Um, and, you yeah, know, last thing is definitely tight end two. Uh, as far as the comments, because Gerald Everett, I mean, he seems psyched about Gerald Everett, maybe more than I've seen like any person psyched about him. Uh, but no, I, I think he's going to have some fun, certainly in this offense. But it seems like they go in a number of different directions in terms of the guys that are behind him, whether it's the draft. Uh, you know, they, they you know, sort of like talk to Stephen imminent, um, but there could be a lot of interesting things they decide to do in terms of depth there. Yeah, uh, Alex, you're cutting in uh, now a bit. The chat is starting to recognize it. So um, not super bad, but it's definitely a little. Um, so if we miss something, I apologize. Um, yeah, the Everett thing was great to hear. I'm super pumped about that. I love that he specifically referenced the run after the catch possibilities. Good with the ball in his hands, can get vertical in the seam. Um, not saying that's exactly what I said, but it's kind of what I said. So I feel good for seeing those things and them liking those things as well. Um, relevant to today's discussion, I do like to hear that they didn't and they really expressed this and Staley expressed this several times and even in their actions they expressed this but they the whole value thing the idea of valuing players not overvaluing certain players and certainly not paying for something they're not super familiar with or at least not overpaying for it so um, them not getting a running back in free agency seemed to be more about a value issue maybe that's a quarter Patterson thing Um, I'm willing to bet that if Dernis Johnson was available that would have been their value signing to them um, but I, I do like the comment specifically. Uh, if you take a look at the position, that position, running back, in the league historically, guys that you get after their first contract don't do as much for you as the ones uh, that you draft. So it really sounds like they are going to draft someone. Some people are like, well, why would you draft another day three running back? First of all, you only got two, you know, day one, day two picks. And, you know, second of all, you have yeah. eight, eight day three picks. Like one of them is going to be a running back, probably. So I'd rather draft someone in the seventh round, in the sixth round, whatever, to compete with Kelly and Roundtree rather than just let those two run at it again. Yeah, you know, I think it, like I wanted a veteran, you know, to come in and and provide some reliability in this room. And I think that would have given them the most flexibility. But Brandon Staley is is generally right about this and that drafting running backs is is really the way to go and and being able to have that long-term flexibility there. I do think it is smart for, uh, you know, in general NFL teams to kind of, you know, pump in a running back every single draft class and just kind of see who pops out and like, see who can kind of establish themselves. So 
Um, from a roster building standpoint, I do think that he is right there. And, and you know, it, it, as it pertains to Kaiser White, like we we knew that this was going to happen. We, this was not a surprise to us. Um, but that's just the the reality of the way that Brandon Staley is, is kind of building this thing. Like you have to choose these, uh, you know, the, to spend priority resources at other positions and linebackers, just not really one of them. I know people really try to make it out to be more than that, but you know, it just is really that simple from a roster building standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, one quick question. Um, I don't know if you saw this, Steven, I don't know if it's old news, but from why Newman, uh, I don't know if you guys spoke about this, but I love how Roberts replied to the GAC tweet, the GAC tweet. Also, how do you guys feel about Raymond? Uh, I don't know what tweet this would be. Uh, I appreciate being, or you being, and we being responded to by Roberts. Hopefully it was positive. Uh, sometimes it could be something mean, so hopefully we, it was something nice. Um, so you can check that out, this. I guess. Yeah, definitely check that out. <laughs> um, from Kapil or Kapil, sorry, tell me how to say your name, buddy. I, I keep forgetting how to say your name correctly. Um, crazy how candid Brandon Staley is with his plans. I I love that honestly. I I don't under, expect him to say, "Oh, we're going to sign this guy. We're going to go get that guy." But he's very candid and he follows through. It is kind of nice for us to be able to piece things together as as a podcast, as fans, and then go you know and see what they actually do with the information that they give us. Now, I think the plans he's very candid with his praise for players can be on the you know very high end positive side, and that's I don't, I don't expect him to. Th- you don't throw anybody under the bus really by saying we're going to go look for corners, but you know, whatever. So uh, did you find what that was? Bruce Aarons is retiring. I did. Huh? So well, that's not quite oh. the breaking news that we were expecting, but uh, yeah, Bobby's Bruce retiring. Is re- he really is. That's office. real. Yeah. That's yeah. Real. Uh, so yesterday when the Deandre Carter thing came out, I, uh, you know, I, I tweeted about it, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then I quote tweeted in and said, I don't think this is necessarily means that they aren't considering re-signing Andre Roberts. Roberts did send a cryptic, a cryptic tweet about age recently. And Carter is five years younger than I did the, the shrug emoji. And he responded and said, we still talk about age. They have been saying I'm getting old since I turned 30. <laughs> so, <laughs> We've been championing him coming back this entire time. I know. That's what I, I just responded to. <laughs> yeah. it, uh... You're never too that's old, okay. Andre. Okay, good to know. Andre Roberts looks at his tweets. Good to know. That was Denzel Perryman and Rayshon Jenkins from 2020. That was rough for some people. And Chris Harris. So wow, yeah, I'm Todd, surprised Todd, by that. Todd, yeah, Todd Bowles is replacing him. Well, I guess that's one way to get a head coaching job. Um, interesting. There was no real indication right i mean he was just taking pictures at the i mean the, as the head coach right at the owners meeting I mean, and yeah, but did, yeah but didn't he retire like a couple years ago before he took the bucks job and he had his health yeah. stuff so mm-hmm. i mean it doesn't surprise me granted i did think brady coming back kind of meant he was but so did i I, f- I figured that once brady came back and once all the free agency moves happened that everybody was just kind of running it back but uh that's a little surprising, yeah, because he he seemed like genuinely excited about all of the all of the stuff with you know at the Super Bowl and, and everything like that. So I don't know, that's, that's a little weird, but uh, I mean, Todd Bowles deserved another chance, and I think this is obviously mm-hmm. a great situation for him. That's such a good situation. Are you kidding me? Tom Brady just controls everything on offense. You just run your regular defense. NFC yep. sucks. That's a great kick. He could win a Super Bowl this year. Good for him. 
as bolt as our guy brett said tom said i'm the real coach here <laughs> i am the real coach here it is true man it, he is wow. um but yeah kind of uh getting back to the to the question at hand here with uh you know brandon staley like it's it's such a breath of fresh air man like you know i know that the Chargers necessarily haven't done anything or whatever but you know listening to brandon staley talk and and how upfront he is with everybody and everything and and just kind of the general philosophies it it really is so nice to hear whereas anthony lim just would have said like the same old coach <laughs> speak for three months all off season long yeah mike mccoy was you know we're gonna get better in all three phases it was like the same thing <laughs> every single week it's like uh we get it at least do I it i think gerald everett is exactly like pearl harbor jeez. <laughs> oh, um before we get into our running backs i did also want to talk about something else that brandon staley said um and he's, he's kind of been talking about it in, in a variety of ways but one of the things that he talked about with chris harry on cbs was mm. just kind of like how he views khalil mack and i think it was really interesting because i think a lot of us including national media and, and us on the show kind of viewed the chargers getting khalil mack as kind of a, a rejuvenation project for khalil as a way for the Chargers to get Cleo back to his form. But Brandon Staley is kind of thinking he's getting Khalil to bring the most out of the Chargers. And mm, I, yeah. I hadn't really thought about it that way until he explained it. And he still thinks that Khalil is this elite top tier defensive player that's going to kind of unlock everything else that he already has. So I did think it was really interesting the way that he painted that picture as opposed to how we all kind of interpreted it. Like this is kind of the missing piece. Like they're going to try and get him back to what he was. Mm -hmm. And Brandon Staley was like, no, no, no. Like he is here to elevate our players that we already have, which I thought was a really cool way for him to, to say that. Yeah. In terms of like getting him back to what he was, it's like, yeah, I think we do this thing as fans where we're just like, oh, that guy missed time last year. So therefore he needs a comeback year. But it's like we, we've talked about how Kalumak got like, what, six sacks in seven games last year. So, mm -hmm. I mean, he was a pretty disruptive force still when he did play. So uh, to me, you're not really bringing Khalil Mack back to anything. You know, he still is that guy. Uh, and so for me, uh, that kind of does line up. I, I, you know, he also has three years left on that deal and they just restructured it. So you're not, you're not rejuvenating Khalil in a way that sets him up for some other contract, right? Like this is, mm -hmm. this is Khalil's moment and his contract right here. So um, no, I mean, I think that that makes uh, a lot of sense, frankly. And, you know, to me, in terms of like his peak, I still think Khalil has two of his, you know, prime years left on him. You know, we'll see what he is three years from now. But for me, I think he definitely still has two top years left in him. You know, if it wasn't for an unlucky injury last year, you know, who knows what the Chargers would have had to give up instead of just a second and a sixth. Um, so, you know, I think that Staley's right there. Yeah, good thing they were filming from the waist up because Brandon Staley has this giant heart on for Khalil Mack. He, <laughs> he loves his defensive players. And in particular, like Derwin James, you saw the first time he met Derwin James and he's like, oh, I can't wait to put you in everything. And Khalil Mack, you know, he looks at him and he's talking about him. And you just see the way he looks at Khalil Mack. It's so different. And I, But I love what you brought up about him, you know, Khalil Mack being not just for the defense, but for the Chargers, for the offense. And we talked a little bit about, you know, getting strip sacks, more, you know, things for Justin Herbert or whatever. I just, I just love the idea that the Chargers are going to be bringing in. Not that they can do this every year, but they're going to try to at least get one player, if they can, 
who's just the best at what they do. He mentioned Corey Lindsley. That was the previous year. This year, it's Khalil Mack. I know you can't do that every year, but they're going to find the guys who are absolute pros, who have something left, the guys that they know, who can just bring something to this team and just make them better. Like, this dude is going to be the best at what he does. Everybody else better live up to that. And I think, you know, honestly, Jerry Tillery is now surrounded with the best talent he's ever been surrounded with. And I'm not saying he doesn't have a work ethic or that he has a work ethic problem, but <laughs> you got Khalil Mack, Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin yeah. Johnson, Joey Bosa. You better step up. You do not want to be the worst person of that front group. And I think he has to, and I hope I hope he does. Yeah, man. You know, Jerry Tillery ended up having more pressures and sacks than Sebastian Joseph Day, but not by much. Like if that happens this year, if Sebastian Joseph Day has more pressures and sacks than Jerry Tillery, then uh, I think we got problems. I think we've had a problem. Like, <laughs> what, what are we? True. What is Tyler talking about? He doesn't have a work ethic problem. He's had a work ethic problem. I've had a well, we can't prove of it every year. All right, he plays after the whistle. He whistle. He hits after the whistle. That's, yeah, that's more that's than what, anybody that's else. Most of his, that's when most of his action comes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean th- that's the thing about Khalil Mack is you can hopefully get the best out of everyone on the defense. Um, yeah. And you know if he's able to play. All 17 games, you you should theoretically get the best of them. <laughs> but I am kind of like, we're talking about Jerry Tillery's work ethic here. I mean, there's not a lot left there. And I think we already do kind of have problems. But hopefully the Chargers can kind of figure out the you know future of that DT position fairly soon. Yeah, man. Like, that's the thing. Like, I keep on coming back to this. It's like, well, they need an edge rusher three. They need some pass rushing juice in the DT room. They need a running back. Like. I'm just really curious to see what they do because they obviously don't currently have that second round pick, which would be really nice to have. I mean, obviously it would not, you know, change what happened, but uh, they got some other needs to fill. So I'm curious to see how that kind of comes about. All right. Any other uh, thoughts here before we get on to our running back conversation? I think that's it. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
All right. So kind of transitioning, wanted to start it this way. Uh, Thomas Martinez had a, a really interesting question, and I think this is a good transition to it. Uh, he said, did Staley's comments about young running backs make it more likely they take a running back earlier than just a late round dart throw? So I will say, I, I do think this running back class is deeper than the past couple of classes where, you know, Joshua Kelly gets goes earlier than people think because there's just not that many guys. And then Larry Roundtree, of course, is is kind of that dart throw. So, Alex, we'll start with you here. What did you make of the running back comment first and foremost? And really, how do you think the Chargers are going to go about drafting a running back this year? Can you uh, relight my mind on what exactly the running back comment was? Uh, I do think it was something along the lines of uh, they were Oh. Talking about mainly going through the draft to go through running backs. Yeah, so Tyler Tyler mentioned it earlier. There wasn't they they said they looked at the free agency group. They didn't really like the value that was there. Um, oh they, yeah, Staley okay. generally thinks that running backs is kind of a young man's position, and that going through the draft is uh, is kind of the more valuable approach to getting running backs. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the more valuable approach. Um, in terms of they they didn't see anything they liked after Cordell Patterson probably wasn't available. Um, so that kind of turned them off the running backs. And here we are in the draft again. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that Joshua Kelly was very clearly an Anthony Lynn guy. And so they're probably going to move on from him at some point this year. Um, and then you have Larry Roundtree and Austin Eckler really as your only running backs right now um, that I think are probably going to be on this team going forward, considering when they were drafted. So I don't think it makes anything more likely. I, I would actually say based on what Steven said with this running back class that it probably makes it likelier they wait than take a guy unless there's just value they can't pass up because some guy with a crazy RES score mm-hmm. starts sliding for whatever reason. Um, but for me, I, I don't think that it makes it more or less likely. Uh, I, it's funny because I would say that they would, oh, you know, they did the right thing. And if they find a guy later on, they're going to add him to the group and he's going to be a great, they did that with Larry Roundtree. So it's hard for me to like <laughs> think that this year they're going to do something different, but okay, yeah. let's say that they do. I, I think that they're, it's a boring answer, but they're just going to find the good value now. So are they going to take Brees Hall at 17? No, but if Ty Chandler's there in the fifth or something, would they do that? I could see that if James Cook is in the, fourth i don't know where you're supposed to go maybe they would do that like i think it's just wherever the value finds itself um it really sort of sounds like kelly and roundtree are competing with each other not that we didn't know that but like it sounded i think he said you know the competition would bring out the best and and those guys sounds like those two are really just gonna be competing for another spot so if they looked at free agents they're definitely looking to add someone and those two are going to compete i just think it's going to come down to value so if in the third round someone really good is there I think they would totally take a running back at that point. I don't think they're super set. And I don't think that's a great idea, but I think that they they just want to find value. So could be earlier, could be later, but if I had to guess, it'd be later. Yeah, I feel like in in general for the Chargers this year, the 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 sweet spot is uh probably that fourth or fifth round. I, I think you can probably get, you know, uh, one of these running backs in the third round, but really the Chargers, I think, need to get, you know, the first two picks. Unless they trade back, of course, the first two picks probably should be, you know, some combination of an offensive lineman, a pass rusher, a receiver, you know, maybe a safety. I think those are the four kind of positions that 
uh, really need to prior be prioritized. Definitely. So I think, you know, that fourth, fifth round, if they take one of these running backs, I think is, is more than fine. So um, I also kind of wanted to talk about the type of running back that we are looking to add mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. there's like, there are some good power backs in this class. There's been some mention, of course, Damian Pierce, spoiler alert for the rest of the rankings is one of my guys. I love Damian Pierce. Um, but I don't think the Chargers need to add another power back. So uh, to me, I think we're looking for a Justin Jackson replacement, somebody that can be that downhill slasher, speed guy, home run, th home run threat, and also be able to catch the ball. I don't mm -hmm. know about how you guys feel, but that's kind of what I'm looking for for the Chargers in this draft. It's somebody that can be that Jackson replacement because Roundtree and Kelly are supposedly the, the power guys, right? Like I don't want another bruiser. I want another guy who can threaten the defense vertically, who can catch the ball and, you know, replace Justin Jackson and hopefully be on the field more than Justin Jackson. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of us are, or some of us are, are caught up in the, the last thing that we saw the Chargers do, which is Austin Eckler up the middle, didn't convert on fourth down. It's like, if only we had a bruiser back. And to a certain extent, sure. If you, a bruiser back in some instances definitely would have helped the Chargers last year, but they need someone, I think more than anything, who can catch the freaking football. I don't know what it ended up being for Kelly and Roundtree, but obviously Roundtree, I've joked about it all offseason. He has negative yards, negative receiving yards in the NFL right now. Yeah. Uh, one, and one drop. I think he has more drops than receiving yards in the NFL right now. Uh, Kelly didn't contribute a whole lot outside of that hurdle in Denver. So they need to find somebody who can just catch the freaking football and, and be a receiving threat. And you're going to see some guys that have good receiving numbers, right? Because they catch a, you know, a swing and, you know, take it to the house or they make, you know, swing route screen, that sort of stuff. But I'm talking guys who can run that angle route out of the backfield that the Chargers sort of had had Eckler run quite a bit that they've sort of had Keenan Allen do before something like that. Someone you can line up wide in the slot, whatever. Um, there's a guy, you know, James Cook is very much the receiving back yeah. of this group for sure. And that is definitely someone that would be very, very interesting for, for them, whatever they third, fourth round or whatever it is. Um, but to me, just find somebody who can catch the football because I don't, I don't need a bruiser. This team doesn't need a bruiser, just more better play design. If, if, if not getting a yard on fourth and one is the reason for a bruiser, just do something else uh, to me, in my opinion, I just think the way that the chargers want to run the football, the way they copy the, the 49ers run scheme, I think there's no point in getting a bruiser again, point to me towards the, the bruiser guy that the 49ers have. I don't really see it. I would rather invest in a better offensive line and make the running backs, you know, someone that, that maybe not a bruiser, but they can find the right crease and win. Um, and obviously look for some speed as well. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm very much get the fast running back, usually a small one who can catch the ball out of the backfield. Like, that's very much my kind of thing. Um, but I don't really have, like, a big preference. It also depends on how much, I guess, you view Roundtree and Kelly being in their long-term plans. If you view them as, you know, being on the team next year, being on the team the next few years then maybe you need a little less but i'm not going to pass up on running back value because i have roundtree and kelly like <laughs> i could cut both of those guys sure. tomorrow and my life would probably be better uh but so you know i don't you have to really run your life on that and say oh well we can't take damian pierce because we have this like uh i i, I just don't think you have to do that I think you can kind of go for whatever gives you the best value in the draft whether that's you know earlier on later on um and i don't I mean, you could view it to the prism of replacing Justin Jackson, certainly someone who gives you that value. I think the pass catching is definitely important, but I guess I don't really have a specific 
Craft, you could kind of tell me on a number of guys, and also there's a number of guys, as we'll talk about in this list, that I'm a little bit lower on because I they're one-dimensional. But for me, I just think if you can contribute and you can get you know decent RB two production, whether whether that's you know catching the ball, rushing the ball, they just need someone who can help Austin Eckler more than anything else. Yeah, that really is what it comes down to. So I, I think if they if they do want to add a guy like Damian Pierce, and I I do happen to know that they uh, are pretty high on Damian Pierce per source. So uh, mm. that being said, we'll uh, yeah we'll uh, we'll jump into our running back rankings. Uh, we're gonna do our top ten rankings as always. Uh, I'm gonna kick us off. So I'll start with uh, number ten, Rashad White from ASU. I know a lot of people. Really love Rashad, but uh, that's where he's at for me. Uh, number nine is Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M. Number eight, Kyron Williams from Notre Dame. And then seven is Hassan Haskins from Michigan. So this is really kind of that group. Um, you know, I think there is kind of a, a clear tier with the running back class and outside of the top six or seven guys where you're getting more of those first and down first and second down kind of players like these guys. So I'm a big fan of Hassan Haskins as well. I think his contact balance is pretty crazy. And I think his yards after contact is really good. Um, I'm a little concerned about the fact that he didn't test or do anything at the combine or his pro day. Uh, so I'm kind of, this is kind of the one that could go lower. Cause I don't really know what kind of, athlete is he is in, in totality and i do have some question marks there uh but the tape is outstanding for him uh so he is number seven for me yeah i will say the thing about hassan haskins that i think is interesting when you bring up you know the 40 time in the ras and all that is that like when you look at this running back class there's actually not a lot of guys who ran the 40 and not a lot of guys who you know just have that complete ras profile you know either because they decided mm -hmm. to skip the 40 or for whatever reason um, so for me, I didn't really use that as a differentiator or, you know, a way to knock him down. But, you know, like Steven said, I think Hassan Haskins is, is great. Um, he, there's a play against, I, I think it's Northwestern, where he just like spins a guy out of his shoes and then just like mm -hmm. keeps powering forward and keeps trucking for people. Um, the balance he shows is really great uh, on every play. Um, if I'm going to go from 10 to seven i will start with 10 i have alabama's brian robinson uh at number nine i have isaiah pacheco from rutgers at number eight. <laughs> oh my <Nice>. god <laughs> i have son haskins from michigan and at number seven i have uh from arizona state uh, i guess i'll talk a little bit about rashad white and he's going to be this guy as well uh, we talked about sort of a guy who's going to need to both pass catch and also run. And I think he's the only running back in FBS last year. This is PFF who had nine plus grades, both uh, as a runner and a receiver. So um, I think that's kind of like what his value is in addition to his athleticism. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think he would kind of be a really great fit for this offense. I get why Steven is a little bit more skeptical on him. Um, but for yeah. me, I would not mind uh, Rashad White at all. Uh, I will mention <laughs> I say Pacheco a little bit. For those that don't know about him, he ran a four three seven at the combine. Uh, he went to Rutgers. He can catch balls out of the backfield. Uh, was running down the sidelines doing wind sprints uh, at the Shrine Bowl. So yeah, that's why he's at number nine for me. But I do think he's a very fun watch uh, and has been you know kind of a dual threat. 
during his time at Rutgers and has had really bad offenses to play with. And that's yeah. the same case for, for my guy, Bo Melton as well, uh, unfortunately. But I, I do really value his, his versatility and agility uh, that he just kind of shows uh, all the time. So that is my 10 to 7. Yeah, so I guess I'll talk about Rashad White here because, you know, I'm, I am going to be lower on him than most. And, you know, I, I felt like his tape was a little underwhelming outside of the USC game from a standpoint of <laughs> making people miss in the hole from getting yards after contact. And I do think he is a good receiving back. So that will, you know, create a safe floor for him. Um, I just, you know, I see the RAS score and I was expecting a bit more explosive player on tape and I didn't really see that so you know the the four games that I watched of his he had the one great USC game and then the other three were just kind of you know he gets easy yards he you know he he happens to make be in the right position for the catch I don't think necessarily I'm I I don't see a consistent playmaker so like I said I think he is a, a good route runner I think he's got good hands and I think that's going to create some value for him and you know give him a stable floor but just as a pure runner i didn't really see the kind of things that i'm looking for yeah i'll get to him later my biggest knock on him was that i honestly thought he was kind of a weak pass protector there's only a couple of guys in this class uh that are really like you know again pass protection not passive um he was just a guy a lot of these guys just kind of catch the the defender the blitzer whoever it is and some of these guys just that's not for me that that kind of that doesn't really separate him in that regard at least for me but i'll i'll get to that Andre Roberts is a new tweet. Oh, that's old. Never mind. Um, Alex, before we move on, tell me about Brian Robinson because I didn't get a chance to watch him yet. He's not even on my board because I haven't watched him. So talk to me about him. So he's one of those running backs for me that you watch four or five plays on him from YouTube and he's just like running people over and you're like, <laughs> oh, wow, th- this is awesome. But then you watch a full game of him and it's like, it's Joshua Kelly. Like <laughs> there's a lot of just weird yeah. things he does. Uh, the blocking is the shit out of me. And that's the thing that you get with Joshua Kelly all the time when it comes to pass blocking and blocking. Um, just very indecisive there. And I think he, you know, doesn't have the best athletic profile either, even though he is like the guy that can run people over. I just, I don't know how his game translates to the next level once he's past um, Alabama. And, you know, there have been running backs who have posted, you know, bad RIS scores or they had had bad profiles from there you know Mark Ingram is an example of you know an Alabama running back who you know didn't the greatest athleticism but still turned into a great NFL running but I just thought he had so much better vision you know running the ball than someone like Brian Robinson so that's why I'm a little lower on him um, I get why someone would have him in the top five due to that Alabama pedigree and you know the highlight plays but it's it's sort of the same thing for me with Kyrie Williams at number where I don't would be in my 50 running backs um, just because I think he's kind of overrated in that regard. I, I did not really like his tape either. So for me, when it comes to the running backs, if you have a below average, you know, profile and that shows on mm-hmm. tape, um, I, you know, it, it was pretty continuous with him and Williams. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. All right. I'll get into my top 10. So for number 10 for me is Hassan Haskins from Michigan. Number nine, Desha- Jashan Corbin from Florida State. Number eight, Kyron Williams from Notre Dame. And number seven, Ty Chandler from North Carolina. Ty Chandler, it's a bit of a bummer that I think this is his fifth 
season, college season, even though I think this is his first like real actual season. I believe he's at Miami before. Tennessee. Um, oh, Tennessee, excuse me. Because I would like to see some things that, you know, if you're in your fifth year, you have some of these things developed. I think unlike some guys later on that I really like, say maybe like a Brees Hall, he just kind of stops his feet behind the line of scrimmage. I think he's too hesitant sometimes. And I would like to see more decisiveness from a guy who's in his fifth season. That said, he runs a 4-3-8, which is fantastic. But the thing I love the most about him is, in my opinion, he's the meanest overall blocker of this entire group. And I think part of that's in pass pro, sure. You know, you watch him against Maryland. He's flipping guys over. It's awesome. But there are some plays where his quarterback will scramble, and he has to, okay, I'm going to turn into a lead blocker, and he just goes downfield and hits somebody. He's a fantastic blocker in that regard, whether it's in pass protection or just trying to lead block for his quarterback or whatever. So um, you have a guy I really like as a runner as is. By the way, he's also number one in our composite rankings, which does mean something to me. So good blocker, really good speed, um, good in the composite rankings. I think there's definitely something there. That's somebody you really want to invest in later on. He's not getting a ton of hype right now. And I think people, I, th- I, th- I feel like the draft network doesn't like him, but I feel like a lot of draft Twitter or these Chargers fans have yeah. brought up Ty Chandler quite a bit. So we, the Chargers draft Twitter, seem to like him. I think he's a guy you should look for on day three for sure. Yeah, you know, I have him at six. So, you know, that's a good good transition because I, I do think he is absolutely a, a great third down back. I think him and James Cook really are are kind of the standard there in guys that I think you're, you're drafting for their third down ability. And he really is a fantastic blocker. I think he is the best pass protector. Um, you know, him and Damian Pierce are, are fantastic in that regard. So um, why don't I mention Kyron Williams? Because Alex, did you have it, Kyron Williams in the top 10 or no? No. Uh, I, I, yeah, here's the thing with Kyron Williams. I, I feel the like, baby. <laughs> I get it. I get it though. Yeah. So it, it's more, it's more than when you watch his tape, like the, the two, I mean, the two plays that everyone like loves are the one where he has the breakaway run versus Clemson. And then the one versus UNC where he, you know, runs the other way. And that's really great play. I just feel like he's getting away with that stuff. And pros with a subpar RAS profile and um, it's possible like I do think the speed at which you know when he catches the ball and then kind of breaks out at that point I think is pretty interesting um you know in terms of out of the field I just wasn't that impressed with like the whole game tape of him but I do kind of acknowledge that he's one of those guys where if you, I guess if you're only looking for him to be an RB2, RB3, then it's not the worst because he can have some of those highlight real moments. But I did not have him at the time. Yeah, you know, I, I totally get the Kyron Williams thing and, and his RES score is very underwhelming. And I totally get that. I think that, you know, is a legitimate concern. But I think when you talk about the other aspects of playing running back, I think he, you know, it can more than make up for that. As it pertains, like I'm not, I don't have him in the top five. I think where did I have him? I think I had him in eight. Eight. Yeah, I had him eight. in eight. So it's not like I love Kyron Williams, but I think his right. vision, right. his patience, I think his ability to break tackles and get yards after contact are all outstanding. They're, those are really good attributes to have. I just, you just know that you're not getting a great athlete. So you know, it, it's a little bit of give and take there. And I do think, you know, he, he is somebody that can play on third downs as well. He's not necessarily going to be that explosive playmaker again. But, you know, I, I think in this class where, you know, if you're just looking for somebody who's going to be a really solid running back three on your team, be a special teams contributor, obviously a high character guy, 
then I think you're okay in, with Kyron Williams at that standpoint as, as somebody who could be an occasional spot starter versus somebody that's going to be your true workhorse, workhorse running back. Uh, high character guy went to Notre Dame. That's that's what we're going with. But yeah, Notre Dame. I mean, he was a two-time guy. captain, man. Like he, like, like, you know, he's a good football player. Like yeah. he's also like, yeah, just statistically pure statistics. RAS score aside, top seven in yards per route run, yards after the catch per reception, yards per reception, drop rate. He's a tough guy. He's mentally tough. He's physically tough. There's a lot there for sure. Like I don't think. Yeah. Like you have him off your top ten. Like, we don't love him. He's he's eighth for yeah. Steven and I. Yeah, but no. There's there's mm-hmm. definitely something there. Um, one question: I think Steven, he's not on your top ten. I just could you go into Tyler Goodson from Iowa because apparently, uh, the running back coach for the Chargers, his was yeah. there with him. So I guess might as well bring him up. Yeah. So he's somebody that I wanted to make sure and watch for for this show. Um, you know, he is connected to Coach Foster, of course, playing at Iowa. He's really undersized. So he's, I think he's like five, eight, you know, two Oh five or something like that. Um, and I think he is, you know, a, a third down running back kind of dude. He's not going to be your typical first down, second down kind of player. Gave me kind of Tariq Cohen vibes, not as explosive as Tariq Cohen, but really good after the catch, really good route runner, good hands. So he's an interesting player. If the chargers had a good running back too, I'd be like, okay, I would get adding him, but, you know, he's not really somebody that I would take as a running back to, but I did grade him. I did make sure to watch him there. There is a lot to like there as you know, it pertains to his ability on third down. He's got a wonderful RAS score. I think he's like sixth in the class. So there are some, there are some things to like there, but you know, just as a pure runner, there isn't a ton. Like he's, he's not very physical. He's not, doesn't have a great vision, but again, as that third down back, I think there are some good things to like. Okay, good to know. Thank you. Because I haven't watched him either, so that's great. All right, so I'll get uh, my next ones here. So at six, I have Ty Chandler from North Carolina. At five, I have James Cook from Georgia. And then four, I have Jerome Ford uh, from Cincinnati. So I know Alex uh, loves Jerome Ford, so I'll let him talk about him. Uh, But James Cook is somebody that Mm. is really, really interesting to me as the Chargers. And, you know, he's kind of the, the... the prototype of what kind of I am looking for to add to the Chargers, somebody that's not necessarily a great runner per se, but somebody that is explosive, somebody that has that juice that can, you know, identify the right hole, identify the right gap and just hit that thing and go. He is a home run hitter in this class. There are several. Um, Mm -hmm. I think he ran a a high or a low four, four. So he's got that great athleticism. He's got the bloodlines. He's Dalvin Cook's younger brother. Mm-hmm. But to me, just like his ability in the passing game yep. is outstanding. I mean, this man's running Texas routes. He's running sluggos. He's running mm-hmm. fade routes. He's running all these routes as Georgia's pass catching running back. I would have loved to see him at the senior bowl because he really would have thrived there. So I just really like the idea of adding another explosive pass catcher to this uh, group. And I don't think they really have that ability. So, you know, pairing him with Austin Eckler really just elevates the offense again, uh, at least the passing offense. So I totally get that there are definitely knocks on him. He's not great uh, in the contact balance realm of playing the running back position. But again, he's got that juice. He's got that explosiveness. And he's just a fantastic pass catcher. 
Yeah, I mean, is he the best pure runner? No, but you watch him on like an outside zone sort of offense. I think he'd be fantastic. One cut and go sort of thing. Make the decision and fly. And then you watch him against Michigan. You know, he's well, it's like a stutter and go, whatever it was on the outside against a corner. You know, to be able to just line a running back out and beat a corner decisively one-on-one for a deep touchdown. And then the next play, we'll run out of the backfield for another deep touchdown. Um, it's just unlike anybody on the list that I've watched so far. I'm sure there are guys, but I haven't gotten to there yet. And he's just so unique in that regard um his ras comp by the way i I know these aren't all and i'll be all but his ras comp is jamal charles or at least that's one of them so do i think he's jamal charles no but it's it's very easy to see with a guy who's wearing red has the longer hair obviously um and is kind of elusive like he is yeah um the the thing that People kept saying, like, you know, the comp is obviously, you know, he's going to get comp to Dalvin Cook. And it's just like, they're nothing alike. Like, they're completely different running backs, obviously, just because of the stature, uh, because of what, you know, James Cook does kind of out of the backfield as well. Um, You know, I think Charles is an interesting comparison. Um, I couldn't really think of one for him, like, off the top of my head. But I do think he's a really uh, explosive prospect, and he's going to be, you know, later on my list not here at uh six in the four range but i think he's a really great uh prospect that i think is going to shine so uh my six to four i am going to go with michigan states kenneth walker at number six at number five i'll go with damian pierce uh and then at who i'll let talk about to death um and then at number four i will go with isaiah spiller uh okay. isaiah spiller was okay. an interesting one for me um because i know a lot of people will have him as running back one running back two and there was a period where i was feeling just really low on him um because you know he didn't test super well athletically 21 was kind of a down year for him compared to uh mm. his 2020 season and you just started to put all these things together he's also a little bit uh long in his legs so he can sometimes have these strides where he gets tripped up a little bit easily but i just looked you know at some of his 2020 tape as well in this and for me despite you know the ras score not super high i couldn't drop him much lower than being a top five running back in this draft because you know he does you know still have those quick feet um the instincts are there and i do think he's a very purposeful runner in terms of his direction and, and always kind of makes those choices as well uh, so for me, I could not drop Isaiah Spiller, you know, further than four as much as I am like an RAS freak with that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, I yeah, I I get why maybe, you know, Stephen will probably be a little lower and you know, we're still talking about him as a top five running back. Sort of the same thing as like the sure. Kyle Hamilton discussion where we're all lower on him compared to the national media, but he's still very good. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I definitely love Isaiah Spiller, but. I do kind of wonder um, sort of in the same vein, I talked about Brian Robinson where I wonder where his game translates to at the next level, or if he's really going to be like this workhorse bell cow running back for a team. Uh, But we'll see. Yeah. So Spiller is nine for me. Um, I'm not like super high on him, but you know, he is in my top 10. I I think the thing with Spiller is that he, you know, I think there's a fine, a really fine line in talking about patience and talking about just doing too much. And I think Spiller really crosses that line a little bit too often. And then I, I don't think he has that kind of juice to make people miss in the hole, which is such a crucial aspect in the NFL, which you've obviously seen Larry Roundtree struggle with and same with Joshua Kelly. 
Um, so Spiller has some some interesting traits there. He's another guy that I think has a good third down ability because of his you know route running ability and being able to catch passes. But I think as a pure runner, I think he's a little underwhelming to me. Mm, that's fair. Right. <clears throat> yeah, I I'll, I'll just get into mine real quick because we can uh, talk about Spiller real fast. So my six through four, uh, six I have Damian Pierce from Florida, five Isaiah Spiller from Texas A and M, and then four James Cook uh, from Georgia. So yeah, Spiller for me. I get it. Um, part of it, unfortunately. So Pierce Stevens going to talk about, and I want to let him talk about it. We've already <laughs> talked about Cook. We've already talked about Spiller. Not a whole lot for me to talk about here at this point, but uh, Spiller, I, I do understand some of that East-West running, the retreating. And, and for a guy that, again, you want you want to be patient. That's great. You, know, you want to set everything up. That's fine. I just don't really quite see that all the way. I'm surprised he's as high on some boards as he is. It's like the number one or number yeah. two running back. TDN has me. been number one. Like I don't, I don't get it at all at number one. <laughs> Yeah, just like you have to have enough things match for me for you to be like the number one or number two or even number three. Um, so he's at he's at five for me. You know, I get a five point six res score. You know, he's the middle of our pack on our composite rankings. It's just like, eh, that doesn't really do a lot for me. But he is maybe the best. Eh, maybe outside of Cook, I think he's like the guy who can actually run. No offense to Cook, I think he's more of a receiver. Um, I think he's probably the best receiving running back. Like I think. You know, makes difficult catches, involved quite a bit. So that's that for him. I think he's a really, 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 really good receiving threat for sure. Um, I do think he has good burst out of his cuts. I think he maintains that suddenness and efficiency out of them. But I think that's all open field. Like throw a swing, swing to him, and he's always making somebody miss, and then he's gone or something. He's fantastic in the open field. Just that behind the line of scrimmage work, I just have a little bit of concerns with. Still number five for me, but just some concerns there. Not top three. Yeah. I tell you that, man, you guys are both low on Damian Pierce, man. D- low? I mean, I had him in, in my top five running backs. <laughs> I mean, I can talk about why I'm low on him. It's it's nothing really. So Pierce, to me, is the most good running back in this class. And I think that's just why I'm not. It's not the same thing, but it reminds me of like Brian Cook, the safety from Cincinnati, a guy who's just like okay, a good football player. But there's nothing that I can latch on to where it's like, that's the elite trait that I'm going to gamble on. I think, well, not that I'm gambling on the guys ahead of this, in my opinion, but Pierce, he's just, he's so good at everything, but he's good at everything. Like he's like, you know, as a seven RAS car, he's okay. Pretty good in our composite rankings. He's, you know, a good blocker. He's a good contact, you know, balance guy. He's a, I think he's actually a great uh, blocker, a pass protector and, and lead blocker, kind of the same way Chandler is. Um, there's a play where he has to run right into Travon Walker and just block him and try to take him out. And he does like, imagine yeah, trying to go it. block Travon Walker, but he does. That was his job. Um, so a tough dude. There's just a lot of good to him. He might be the safest running back of this entire list. Uh, I just tried to find guys who could do maybe a little bit more and particularly in the receiving game. I think it's just kind of sight unseen with him just a little bit, in my opinion. Like I just need to see a little bit more there. Maybe I'd bump him up. Maybe there's a game I missed. I don't know. Yeah, the Damian Pierce thing as a receiver, there there just wasn't a ton of experience in general, man. Like he was just not given many opportunities. And watching the Florida offense was maddening at times with how they would prefer to let their quarterback run as opposed to their workers running back and their receiver. And it was just so annoying. And I used to think Dan Mullen was a really good coach. And then I watched this past season. So um I, I love Damian Pierce. He is my number third running back. And I, I disagree, man. I think his elite trait is his ability to be that hammerhead contact balance guy. So 
I know Tyler got a little annoyed with me, but I, I think he is kind of Javante Williams light. Okay, in that, that I can aspect. deal with. That's fine. He's it's not an equal one for one comparison because Javante Williams was an insane athlete, and Damian Pierce is a good athlete. Like he's not crazy low on the RS, he's not very high, but I think he is in terms of that mentality of I'm just gonna choose violence on every single chance that I get. I think that's how I would describe Damian Pierce. And you know, he didn't get many opportunities, so you gotta take advantage of them. And I think we saw it at the senior bowl as well where I forget which team it was. I want to say it was the Lions where they would end each practice with like a one-on-one advantage rep. And he, and he was uh, pass protecting against one of the Georgia linebackers. I think it was Quay Walker. And mm. Damon Pierce just stood him up right at the line of scrimmage. And that's really who he is. Like he is just yes. that aggressive, tenacious player. And, you know, you want to talk about a power back, like that's Damian Pierce to me. So I love the way that he plays the game. I do think that there is a lot of untapped potential there. Typically, when you look at a college power back, they've got a ton of tread on their tires. So that's not the case here with Damon Pierce. I think he only had 106 carries over the last two years. So I'm a big fan of his mentality. I loved watching him play. And just the things that you're looking for in terms of potentially projecting like a true running back one that can lead your team in carries, I think he has them. I think he has the ability to make people miss in the hole. I think he has the ability to gain yards after contact at a high level. And then, like I mentioned, just has that tenacious mentality that he brings on a daily basis. So he's number three for me. Mm -hmm. Kenneth Walker from Michigan State is number two. And then Brees Hall is number one. Uh, Question for Steven real quick on Damian Pierce. How far does he have to fall where you throw the whole Chargers don't need a power back thing out the window? (laughs) Um... Probably the fifth, I would say. Ooh, it's a little far. I don't. I don't think that's gonna happen. But we'll see. yeah, uh, like I said, I, I know you know Roy in the chat is is arguing with me because you know he thinks the Chargers need a power back, and I never said that Larry Roundtree and Josh Kelly were power backs. I said they were drafted to be power backs. They are supposed to be power backs. So yes. I just think the Chargers need more juice. I think they need more speed and receiving ability. If they draft Damian Pierce, I'm going to be happy. I love the guy. He's a top three running back. He's one of my guys. I just think that they need more speed. I think they need to get more athletic at the position. Yeah. Okay. So, sorry. You're, you're, it, was, it was Pierce. Walker, two, And then Brees Hall is number one. Oh, okay. Kenneth Walker. Nice. Okay. Well, talk to me about Brees Hall, man. We kind of talked about him before the show. <laughs> so let's hear it. Yeah. Brees Hall, man. Like, he... This man had people living in his lap as soon as he touched the ball on like every single instance, this Iowa state offensive line was crazy. So I think, you know, I've, I've really come to value the ability to make people miss in the hole. And when it comes to NFL running backs, because it is such, it's such an important aspect of the position. Like you have guys like Aaron Donald, DeForest Buckner, like all these guys who can just win right off the beat. And so you have to be able to make them miss And I think from an elusiveness standpoint, Brees Hall is by far the best in this class at making people miss in space at the line of scrimmage. I will say I think he is a tad underwhelming when it comes to yards after contact. I think that's kind of the biggest difference between him and Kenneth Walker. Mm. But Brees Hall, to me, just brings everything that you potentially want in a running back aside from that. So I think he's got really good ability after the catch. He's got breakaway speed. I think he ran like a 4.38 or 4.39 or something like yeah. that. He's got great size. He's got great elusiveness, great vision. So really, like he's everything that you want, like I said, except for that yards after contact. So 
for me, I have more questions about the other two after the him. So I think he is kind of that safest aspect. He's got a high round two grade for me. So he's not a first round grade for me. Uh, but I do think he's pretty clearly RB1 in my opinion. Yeah, Brees Hall is awesome. I, just watching him, if you asked me, you know, if you put a, a good offensive line in front of somebody, who would you want behind it? I, I think it might honestly be Brees Hall. I think he yeah. deserves it after the absolute train wreck <laughs> that was Iowa State's offensive line. Do I expect Iowa State to have a good offensive line? No, but he was a guy who, you know, he's getting hit in the backfield three yards behind the line of scrimmage and just has to get back to zero. And that's not sexy. People are going to watch his tape and see, oh, oh gosh, he only he got zero yards. Oh, he lost a yard. Oh, he only got one yard. But like, no, he got hit four yards in the backfield and then gained a yard out of that. So I think you put a good line in front of him. And that's a guy who has a really, really strong potential ahead of him. I think to me, he's the I don't mean like the quickest or the fastest. I mean, he, I think he's the strongest out of his cuts. I think nobody yeah. out of his cuts is stronger than he is. That's just in my opinion. Um, there are some guys who I think maybe are more elusive, maybe more quicker, have more burst, but I think he's just purely the most strong guy out of his cuts. Yeah, no, I, I think Brees Hall is really good, and I, it's really hard to lower him anywhere lower than top three. So for me, he had to be in this final portion based on you know what we saw uh, in college and what you see on tape. Uh, for my top three, I'm going to go with James Cook, uh, which we we talked about a lot earlier. Cool. Uh, number two, I will make it a pretty clear number two, uh, not like a pretty clear number one for me, like Stephen Brees Hall will be there. Uh, and then at number one, I will have Jerome Ford uh, from the University of Cincinnati. Um, and so I really like Jerome Ford before this whole process, but just, you know, reading and kind of learning more about him, too. Uh, he was he was in a running uh, running back room with uh, Najee Harris and Josh Jacobs uh, and also uh and also who else am i forgetting oh also uh robinson who was at alabama too yeah. so and then he ended up transferring to cincinnati out of that you know whole class and group so i you know was kind of wondering like okay uh obviously cincinnati was on tv a lot this year with that whole team uh and you know how often they were on and you every time i turn the tv on it just feels like he's breaking a 50 yard touchdown somewhere uh and making some kind of big play like he did uh, in the uh, Houston, uh, Houston Cincinnati AAC title game. Uh, and there's just plays on tape where he's just, you know, not just a straight line speed guy, ran a 446, one of the fastest 40 times in this class, but he also just has that quick twitch, you know, quick hips turning thing, uh, too, where you like to see that in running backs that are making cuts as well. Um, and the blocking thing for me, so I it was interesting to see for me on tape because he is a little bit undersized uh you know relative to some of the other running backs that were at alabama which is kind of like why he fell out a little bit out of the rotation there um but there's some plays where he ends up like lead blocking for desmond ritter uh who ends up running some kind of option and i just thought that he was he showed really great blocking ability and really great effort there as well um and then obviously in this season ends up having, you know, 1,300 yards uh, on the ground, you know, 230 yards through the air. So for me, if we're talking about the most complete running back in this class or someone who showed kind of the best variety of skill sets uh, in terms of pass catching and running and as well as the athleticism he showed, uh, I like Jerome Ford, uh, number one. I can't believe we all came to a general same conclusion on Brees Hall Yet other guys in our top three are going to be completely different. Um, so Jerome Ford, 
is 14th <laughs> for me. Wow. What? Wow. <laughs> wow. Again, like things could be dependent on the games you watch. Like if I just I don't pick like all oh, those games, and Adam's not saying you do either. I could completely mm. be missing the right games. If there's an award for guys who got turned around and had to run backwards and got the most yards, it'd be Jerome Ford. If I'm, I'm like to me, that's how I feel about Rashad White, man. <laughs> well, you're wrong. Uh, so <laughs> Jerome Ford, man, like if you, there's just something about the contact balance and the way he gets turned around that I'm just not cool with. I'm not saying I don't, I don't like, I dislike him or anything. I think he has like mm -hmm. a third or fourth from me or whatever. But he gets nobody gets knocked to the ground harder than him. Nobody gets turned around more than him. And there's something about that. I'm a big balance, contact balance, maintaining form sort of guy. It's a whole gymnastics hoopla, whatever. And yeah, to it's me, important for sure. It is definitely important, especially for running back. And I, I see him. And if anybody who hasn't watched him yet, maybe I'm wrong, but go watch it fresh eyes. I just see him getting turned around way too much, getting knocked down harder than anybody else. There's something missing there. He's not able to keep his feet and his stance or whatever you want to call it like some of these other guys and so yeah i'm not saying i dislike him but he was 14 out of 14 for me sorry <laughs> yeah okay simone biles whatever um but no i in terms i'll of take like, that <laughs> simone is the best athlete of our generation man you're bringing up gymnastics and football and talking about con like he's jerome ford can run all right i don't know how you have him 14 that is like one of the craziest things i've ever heard um like wait, who was who was 13th on your list? Uh the BYU kid. Yeah, uh, you put it by the BYU kid? Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. Um just want to point out I did not watch Tyler um, Algier. So uh, you won't like him. He's from BYU. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna like him anyway. He's still uh, technically a BYU student, so until he finishes, I, I can't I can't do it. Oh my God! All right, um, should I just go over my controversial top three then? Yeah, go go ahead. Well, not, Let's start not your controversial top three, man. to a certain point. Yeah, so mm -hmm. well, most of it's not controversial to the last one. Uh, Kenneth Walker, Michigan State, number three, great. All right, sounds good. Uh, Breeze Hall, number two, that's great. And then yeah, so Rashad White from Arizona State is my wow. number one. I At know one. Yes, I saw your rankings, and I saw he was the at the time the only guy in orange, which is like not a good grade for us. <laughs> I'm like, oh shit, Stephen hates him. I, first of all, I barely have a second round grade on this guy. So don't get me wrong. This is how I feel about the running back class. Okay. He's my number one, but he barely made a second round grade. So I'm not saying he's like a first round grade by any means. But, you know, Cole Topham did a really good story and profile on this guy on particularly like that Washington game and yeah. everything that he had to do. So he covers Arizona State. Obviously, he was a Chargers wire as well. And 10 point deficit against Washington. It's pouring rain, apparently, and they had to figure out some way to win. And they gave him the ball 37 times that game, 237 yards, two touchdowns. I think only two times did he not touch the football, whatever it was, in the fourth quarter. And in that fourth quarter, right, they were down 10. And here's what they asked him to do. Fourth and one, broken tackle conversion. Third and six, scores from 50 yards out. Unfortunately, gets called back for a penalty. So it's third and 16. He converts on that third down. Third and one, converts again. Third and five, converts on an angle route. Fourth and one converts again. First and 10 takes the game leading touchdown in two separate drives. Like that's a guy you want to lean on to, to win games. And that, that, so that game was impressive. The USC game was fantastic. He broke five. I think he had six missed tackles forced on just one play. According to PFF, there are things that he does that I, I think he's just the best 
balanced guy of the group. I talked about pass protection. That's a huge issue for me, for sure. Um, the RAS score definitely checks out. What's the most important to me and what Brees Hall and although you'll obviously disagree, um, Rashad White and Brees Hall are the best at this to me and maybe maybe some spiller um, is the ability to just maintain the forward movement through your movements. So keep that excellent burst through your cuts, you know, make these minor moves that lead to big misses. Keep moving forward, be elusive, but in like a, a very subtle sort of way. Uh, you're going to hate this then, but Cole, I think, compared him to Le'Veon Bell, a better Le'Veon Bell, oh, granted, it's coming coming out of college. You know, not exactly the, not the NFL guy. I see a guy who can contribute day one in the passing attack, right? And that's, I mean, he's first in yards per route run. He's He's got to be something, right? The screen, the slant, the bubble screen, the whip route, the angle route, you know, all that sort of stuff that he can do. Not that I think he's a, a crazy receiving back, but he can, he can definitely contribute there. So to me, you know, I think in general, the stats check out. I think the film checks out. Um, I really like him. I think he is a fantastic player. He's my number one, but he barely, he also barely has a second round grade for me. So that's how I feel about him. So you I'm don't like Rashad this White from seventh to fourteenth. What? I said I'm moving Rashad White from seventh to fourteenth. <laughs> that's fine. You can be wrong. Fourteenth now. Okay. Yeah, you can be wrong. <laughs> wow. I, I will say I, I would Rashad White is somebody that I think fits kind of what I want them to add. Yeah. I just I don't think he's like a. I don't think he's number one, man. Like, I'm going to have to, like, really disagree with that one. And that's, I mean, that's the beauty of this thing. We all see different, uh, we we see players from different lenses, and I think that's fine. I, I like the player. Like I said, I would be okay with the Chargers adding him. I think he fits what I want. But uh, there's just, some, like you mentioned, pass protection and just kind of, like, getting all the tackles behind the line where me granted ASU was was a mess in general. So that that's really interesting. We got Rashad White all over the map and Jerome Ford all over the map. Where's Ford for you? Like seven or something? Six? Uh, Ford for me is uh, fifth. Ford is fifth. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, fourth. Excuse me. He's fourth. Oh, my God. Well, <laughs> there's that. I strongly I dislike the experience. I'll say that much. Wow. That's yeah. Look at it. So, White, Hall, Ford, right? Three different guys. Yeah. Three different guys. Well, look at us. We all like Brees Hall, though. So, I mean, at least that's Yeah, we all cool. somehow liked the same player at almost at the same spot. Yet, yeah, the, the number one guy is all over the place. Interesting. That's so fascinating. So, Walker was two for me. He was three for you, right, Tyler? Yeah. And then mm-hmm. six for Alex? Mm-hmm. So, he's the other one that's at least. And then James Cook. All of us like James Cook, too. I always like James Cook. Uh, Alex and I are pretty close on Spiller. You had him at nine, but like five to nine. Eh. I think Pierce... We're sort of on the same page. You just like him a little bit more. Alex, did you have Ty Chandler? No. Lordy. Did you watch him? Uh, also, no. So I, I, I Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's totally fine. Though, I, so. I didn't watch Brian Robinson, the Alabama running back, either. Right. So there were a couple guys. like I didn't watch Tyler Algeli either, and I won't unless they draft him. But um, <laughs> Are you protesting watching Tyler Algier? <laughs> I I refuse to watch BYU tape at all unless there's a prospect that I think like genuinely has a chance. Like I watched Brady Christensen. Yeah, that's because I because I knew that there was like a chance that the Chargers yeah. could kind of wait on on tackle, and so you know I, I watched Brady Christensen, but you know I'm not watching a running back from BYU, man. If, Ty- if Tyler Algier was a 300-pound offensive tackle, Stephen would be watching BYU. <laughs> but a running back, I'll pass. 
So a lot, a lot of people in the chat love Pierre Strong. We haven't. Yeah. I don't think he made any of our lists. Yeah. So Sean O'Brien, shout shout out for the the super chat. Mm-hmm. Um, Pierre Strong definitely has a fantastic uh, RAS score, but I think the thing for me there is that if he doesn't have a clean play then it, it's just kind of done. Like he does not have the contact balance I'm looking for. He does not have the elusiveness I'm looking for. The man is a home run hitter. Absolutely. He has that speed, but just what happens when the plays are not blocked perfectly. Like I watched him against North Dakota state and you saw a lot of both. You saw him hit those home runs for sure. But to me, I'm just, I'm looking for more contact balance that I don't see. I'm looking for more elusiveness in the hole. Like I've said, you know, throughout the show, I think those two traits along with vision, I think for me are kind of the most important for running backs, at least as, as being a pure runner. Mm-hmm. And I just don't see those things with Pierre Strong. So he's a great athlete. He's a home mm-hmm. run hitter. Mm-hmm. I just, I was a little underwhelmed by the other aspects of the position. Yeah, definitely. I, I basically agree there. A home run hitter sort of guy, just a bit boomer bust hit or miss for me. What he can do well. Awesome. Can he do it on a consistent basis? I don't quite know. And then, yeah, there is, sure, there is some sort of bias. He went to South Dakota State, and it's like, you know. The games that I watched, so he was like, okay, against North Dakota State. I forget the other two games that I watched, but it wasn't like, it was like a random FCS school, and it was like, that's that's kind of it. Like, no offense, but like, you need to show me a little bit more. Like, at least Isaiah Spiller's doing this against the SEC. Like, he's at Texas A&M beating the shit out of, you know, Alabama or whatever it is, whereas, you know, <laughs> yeah. this guy's like, eh, in some cases in the F- FCS. Yeah, I I get where it comes from for me. I think he could be a decent RB2, RB3, you know, fight for <laughs> that kind of like spot in the NFL. Um, I just think I can't ever imagine him being a lead back. And I don't think he really has the create for that, despite having seven yards per carry in the FCS and despite a 4-4, like on paper, that's great. But I, I just don't think the tape really backs it up. I would, I would have him at probably somewhere between... 11 and 13 like if, if i were to rank him but um yeah, yeah I, I just i didn't love him that much um another one i've seen kind of floated around chargers twitter is amir white uh james james cook's teammate at georgia mm-hmm. did either of you get a chance to watch him uh i did yeah i just did one cut no bs sort of running back elite speed so once he's like through the hole and burst through the hole fantastic um strong through contact yeah. sort of guy He's just he's just kind of like the opposite of Cook, where it's like yeah. low passing volume, low yards per route run, not great pass blocker, not really elusive in the open field. So they're a great mix together, just not right. He's just like running version. I wonder how I would feel on him if he was like the RB one on a different team, but because he is in the backfield with James Cook, it's just like James Cook looks just looks so much more impressive on every play, and I, I feel like that kind of plays into what the evaluation of zamir white is but um no i think he's an intriguing prospect i would kind of also list him in that 11 to 15 range yeah he just missed the top 10 for me so where was he for you same page there he's 11 so okay same for me yeah see we can agree (laughs) (laughs) we can agree just not on our (laughs) rb1 Oh man! All right. Any other uh sleepers you guys want to mention or any kind of uh late round target you really like uh, a drum fort. What a lame name, you know, like who's going to have Jerome Ford. Ford. <laughs> <laughs> there goes Jerome Ford. Oh, man. 
Sorry, that's not part of my evaluation. Too funny. So there are so many day three running backs, man. Like I, if I had the time, I would get, you know, I think there really are probably like 25 gradable running backs in this class, but Mm -hmm. I don't have the time. I'll probably add like one or two more, but you know, like as much as I got, as much as I like my guy, TJ pleasure or or Max Borgie or CJ Verdell, like I just, I'm not doing that. I'm not, I don't have the time to grade those kind of players. Yeah. Um, so Kyron Williams. Yeah. That's a betting favorite, right? <laughs> For the Chargers. Yeah. It's gotta be, isn't it? God, I'd be so there's disgusted. At least, there's I'd at least so two disgusted. things going for him. <laughs> He's high character and he went to Notre Dame. And his RAS score stinks. So. Running back Jerry Tillery, baby. <laughs> All right. So we'll, we'll wrap it up with this. Uh, you're one guy that you want to see the Chargers add on day three. So you can kind of outlaw Brees Hall, guys Ooh. like that. So yeah. day three, you get one choice. Who are you going with? It's hard to tell who's actually there on day three because my list feels like the inverse of TDNs. So I don't know who... Like, I like Pierre Strong. He's day three guy. Okay, I'll go with him. Yeah. I, I feel like that's... Okay. There's a home run threat missing in this offense, and I think they need it. And that could be a guy to, you know, to take. I'll mention too uh we i mean we did the mock draft and we took cj verdell um i think that's a very interesting kind of day three target guy you could take a flyer on um and then i'll also mention my guy isaiah pacheco because i think he's going to be there on day three round six or seven um and i just think the speed and elusiveness he has would be a really good fit in this offense as well so i'll mention both of those yeah i will uh i'll circle back to isaiah pacheco just for you alex so i will <laughs> to my list to, to watch but yeah i'm uh, sure you, tyler's gonna watch him and put him at 25 <laughs> <laughs> i don't dislike him because you like him <laughs> are you sure i'm positive i'm okay positive. okay <laughs> All right. well uh my guy i'll mention here is ty chandler i do think he would be a yeah. fantastic fit for yeah. really what i'm looking for again not somebody that's like a, in between the tackles power back but i think he is that decisive no-nonsense runner who'll just go and hit the hole and, and he does he's not like an elite athlete like some of the other guys in this class but he is a good athlete he does have that juice and then just the pass catching ability i think is is really a fantastic fit here for uh what i think the chargers need so uh, mm-hmm. That's who I'll mention. Cool. Sounds good. I- I'm out of guys to talk about. I already had 14 graded. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, Rashad White, I guess. Uh, you know, he might be there at day three. So I'm all for it. Yeah. I, I can't say I see, I've seen many other people have him as RB1, man. So, uh, you know, you-, you like your guy and you went for it. And I get it. I- that was me with Damian Pierce. But uh, yeah. You know, I had to do something different because someone says that I, uh, Alex and I conform to Steven. Uh, so I had to go out of my I way. I don't even know what that's about. We just no idea what all the time. It was so st- it's just a dumb like comment that somebody made. Me okay. and Steven, I read that comment. And I'm like, me and Steven spent like eight episodes during the draft last year of debating Jamar Chase versus Penny Sewell. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, what are we doing? <laughs> that is very true. I feel like we have a good balance of uh, yeah. agreeing versus disagreeing and you know, there's no better episode than that, than this one, you know, where we have guys all over the place. So, um, all right, guys, any, uh, final thoughts, Alex, and then Tyler. Uh, no, not, not too many final thoughts uh, as we seem to be kind of winding down on all the free agency hype, just, uh, excited to get into the draft coverage because we're only 28 days away or whatever now. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Steven and I will be at the draft and Arjun will be there as well. So definitely come say hi. If you're there, if you're nearby, come drive and say hi. Cause you feel like talking to us. You don't want to do that. Um, but I'll be in an obnoxious yellow jacket, which came in the mail today. <laughs> in obnoxious yellow shoes. I am obnoxious and yellow as well. So I will definitely be there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, then. Well, at least you can make fun of yourself. So, I mean, that's, that's good. Um, yeah, so that's going to do it for us today, guys. Thank you so much for, uh, tuning in. It was a fun chat today. Um, we're going to do, do we decide what we're going to do for next episode? What, what position we're going to rank? Can it um, not be corner? Yeah. I want to keep punting that as far as I can. Cause I just can't <laughs> watch TV. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Uh, we'll, we'll probably do like linebacker or tight end or something like that. So, you know, so we'll, we'll let you guys know. Uh, but we will be, we'll be going live on Saturday. Maddie Schmidt is going to be joining us for a Q&A uh, or joining Tyler and Alex, I should say. I will not be here for that one. Uh, and then we'll go live on Sunday as well for our regular episode. So uh, as always, if you are listening to the audio version of this, please leave us a rating or a view. If you're watching this now, please go like it, subscribe to the channel and uh, all that good stuff. So that's going to do it for us today, guys. We'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.